It's the final hour of power here on this Friday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement. Linnell Willingham riding with you for another hour, taking you up to 10 o'clock before we dish the rock to Tech Talk Live. Right now, though, as promised, we'll go all NBA here in this final hour. The Washington Wizards right now in action, down 7, 64-57 at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets. 7-18 left to go in the third quarter. Right now, Kyle Kuzma and Denny Avdia, your high man, Kuz 6 of 14 from the field for 13 points. Denny Avdia 5 of 7 from the field uh, for 13 points as well. I told you we had special guest coming in the studio. He'll join us a segment earlier. Our pal Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA insider. Make sure you tap in with Scoop B. Radio as well. He is the NBA insider right now for Bovada. Scoop B, what's going on, my man? How are you? How you feeling? I'm maintaining. I'm good. good. I'm good, man. I'm surprised that you're here. I was I was giving you crap when we were walking up. Are you jet lagged at all? You tired? You a little sleepy? Are you was in Vegas yeah. uh, last night getting getting the up close and personal look at the end season tournament? Uh, we'll talk about what you saw in Vegas uh, on the other side of the break. But right now, 21 games in for the Washington Wizards. Last time you were in the studio, it feels like this team was in a different space that they're in right now. A rut. They're still in a rut. They're still in a rut. But they're not the Detroit Pistons, though. Well, no. Because that loses. <laughs> Poor Monty Williams, yes. dog. I feel bad for my dog. He's a local cat as well. You, you feel but so bad, though. He's getting paid. No, he is. <laughs> he is. So I, you're damn right. I don't feel that bad for him. But no, I was saying it as we were walking in, and our, our producer tonight, Chris, was like, huh? What do you mean they've turned the corner? And here's what I meant by that. It feels like in the last two weeks or so, they've turned a corner in terms of their effort and. I asked Wes Unsell Jr. this the last time I was in the arena. How does he feel like the guys are playing for one another? And I think Wednesday's loss against Philadelphia really highlighted that. I believe they had 18 assists on like their first 26 baskets. So everyone's touching the rock. They're playing hard for one another on the defensive end. And they're just competing better uh, right now, it seems. They're more uh, in tune with their defensive rotations. They're uh, taking it personal on that end of the floor fighting hard as hell to get over screens. They're crashing the boards. And it helps, obviously, when you're making shots. What have you seen from this group here in the past couple of weeks? And do, Am I tripping by what uh, I'm saying? Well, I, know that it, I understand that this is <laughs> this is um, DC radio. Yeah. And I want to get back to my house in one piece. But <laughs> I will say this. Um, we don't give participation awards. We don't. It's about wins and losses. 100%. Um, the thing that I, I – if, if there's any silver lining – in this, um, it's probably um, the fact that you're seeing more of the role players emerging uh, in within their 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 quadrant. So, like when you when you look at um, the Wizards mm-hmm. I, starting the season, I, I have felt this way. I, I'll continue to say this. I've always felt that this was Kuz's team. I've always felt that yes. Jordan Poole was. Um, someone that they felt would be the face or the focal point, but A, Kuz has been here longer. B, um, you can't, to me, Kuz is more of a natural leader, mm-hmm. more of a physical presence and embodies. I would say so as well. He's more mature. But he also, but he also embodies um, today's 3-4, and 3-D. Yes, 100%. Pool is a scorer for hire, and there's room for that. Yeah. But I think implementing pool into a system that is Washington, that is still figuring things out, that's still an unfinished product, is going to be a work in progress. You you, you kind of hit it when you talked about mm-hmm. maturity. Yeah. 
um, I think we're always you're you're not the same person you were three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago. Right. Um, Jordan Poole is not the same person he was three months ago, four months ago, six months ago. Um, Kuzma is also older, so to compare right. maturity. I think that's a slippery slope, but yes. I think when you are the focal point of the team, there are certain things that um, that embody that. And I know that people, experts, other experts have kind of used the uh, talked about how they're the worst uh, one-two punch in the NBA. I, well, the I, metrics I, and the statistics yeah, say yes. They said they're the worst one-two punch in the NBA. Of course, this was uh, as of like the beginning of the week where mm-hmm. they, t- they people used that stat that stat of the net rating of negative thirty-two point one. But I, I, I think basketball is a is a is an eighty-two game season. You look at baseball the same way in the amount of games that are played, and it's a lot of ups and downs. Right, like. So I, I say all that to say, mm-hmm. without getting jumped when I walk out the studio, <laughs> um, the Wizards are still a work in progress. Yes. Um, but I, I, I said this on your show a couple weeks ago. I still feel as though the Wizards are the replacement of what the Knicks once were uh, in the NBA's Eastern Conference bottom dwellers. Wow. And I still think that ultimately, when I looked at this Wizards team the last two years, you've had a lot of names that have co- have come and gone. Whether that is uh, Kristaps Porzingis, whether that is Bradley Beal, who still isn't playing, yeah, no. um, whether that is you know a myriad of other people, and I think in order to attract what you want here, um, it, it, it 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 comes down to competition and desire. Washington's not New York. Washington's not L.A. But at the same time, people will go anywhere if there's a winning culture being established. I think it already exists here organically within the area, B. But like. It's just getting it at the pro level. Because we know this is, I, I call the DMV the mecca of basketball at times. And I know. Well, I disagree with you there. You, but can, I, you but, can go but, ahead, but, but the, the, the the number of DMV dudes in the pros tells it to you, man. And this is a much smaller geographical location than somewhere like Cali and Texas and New York. Sure. So, and, and Chicago. And Chicago. So the fact sure. that we're producing the talent at the rate that we are. Oh, all credit to, to the DMV. Come on now. It's in the water, baby. But, but but that's, again, like you said, that's high school. That's college. Right. It's that's getting not it on the, the pro. The NBA. Yes. And, I, I, you know, I, I look at this 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 area like you saw the, the heyday of, of, it's weird to say it at this point, like of, you know, the Gilbert Arenas's with the Larry Hughes and yep. the Anton Jamesons and more. I mean, you got Drew Gooden in the in the in the, um, in the booth now. Like he was part of that at one point. Like at, at some point, the the yesteryears or what the culture brings just ain't cutting it. Just yeah. like th- there are no moral victories. It's about wins and losses. I, I gotta watch any given Sunday when I when I go home. <laughs> that whole wins and losses. Come speech. on, man. But no, nah, man. I, I think there are some things that, that that you'd like to see on that bench. I think Bilal is somebody. Yeah, I want to um, get to Bilal. Who, you know, is is shooting forty one point two percent from downtown this season. That's third amongst rookies uh, this season. But um, you gotta put the whole puzzle together. Yeah. When you look at Bilal, I got a lot of flack for this on Twitter. Wizards Twitter I always say it's a toxic place to be. The people are, the expectations are much higher than what the actual product they is supposed to be. worse than Lakers Twitter. Well, there's nothing worse than Lakers they Twitter. Are Anthony up. Davis gets it, boy. <laughs> I'm telling you. Wizards Twitter is a cakewalk. It's Willy Wonka in well, comparison. Look, it, it also gets feisty. I tweeted out something yesterday. I said Bilal is, to me, and I don't know if I was speaking in hyperbole, but I meant it when I said it. I think Bilal, to me, is 
almost a culture setting type of pick because of the way that he plays. Now, obviously, he's not the best player on the team right now. And we were talking off air about how I feel like, you know, Bilal should be finishing games. He's had an uptick in his minutes here over the past two weeks. But I think it's time for them to take the training wheels off of this young man and let him flourish into what he could be. But I think his want to and his desire to defend, um, anytime I watch, and if you're a casual hoop head, you'll notice this when watching, he fights harder than anyone else on the roster to get over screens. He plays with his hair on fire constantly. Uh, he had his first poster dunk of his young career uh, against Paul Reed on Wednesday night. I said that I think he is like a, a culture-changing type of pick because if he ends up being your second or third best player and he's playing with that type of tenacity and intensity on a night-in and night-out basis and he works hard the way that, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to talk to Danilo Gallinari and he sings his praises about, you know, how he's constantly the last one to lead a gym. He's got all the right habits. Am I speaking in hyperbole when I say that, though, talking about him potentially helping set this culture as to what they want to be moving forward? He's a piece to a to a uncom- incomplete puzzle um, that I, I think if the Wizards, having added new pieces in the front office and more, continue, sure, we'll be having those conversations. But, I, but I'll add this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Johnny Davis is part of that. And I think he, you know, I don't think, I know he's been in and out of lineups last year going into this year as far as, you know, going up and down mm-hmm. in G League and, and here or, but I, but I think, I think they're, they're pieces. I still do think that, um, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Johnny Davis and, and aren't crapping on him the way everyone does here they, locally. They, 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 they play Johnny a lot. Play as in disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. And it's not, it's not fair. Um, I understand where it comes from, their expectations when you are a number 10 overall pick, but I always go back to this when I talk about Johnny. It's not like the kid just forgot how to play basketball. It's a Big Ten player of the year. It's one of the most competitive uh, conferences in all of college basketball. For him to do what he did, it he ends up being the number 10 overall pick. But then that pre-draft process and the injury that he suffered along the way and going to Vegas and not really putting on there. I had having a child. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts for Johnny. Lionel, peep gay, right? Mm-hmm. Say Hawkins. Hawkins on the on the Pelicans, mm-hmm. right? He was he went to UConn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Say not by not by position, just by role. Mm-hmm. Say you took a Johnny Davis, and say he was drafted this year, mm-hmm. and say he was put in a position in New Orleans like Hawkins when C.J. McCollum was out for a period of time, mm-hmm. right? Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but if he was in that position, yeah. how well do you think he would rise to the occasion in New Orleans the way Hawkins did when C.J. McCollum was out? Do you think he'd be effective? I think because of the fit in New Orleans in particular, he's not going to be asked to do a lot. It's going to be more of defend and be a high-level defender and, and bring that tenacity so, yeah, I do think that's where his calling card is, and I do think that's what his strength is. You you, you answer my question. This, I guess m- my, my response to mm-hmm. your initial question is this. To me, basketball, it's less about the schematics. It's more about opportunity. And yeah. when your number is called, do you rise to the occasion? When I use Hawkins as that example in mm-hmm. New Orleans, a lot of fantasy owners were were pretty pleased because they they had a I know that in that slot they weren't switching him to point guard he was in, by by definition he was a shooting right. guard but there was scoring there was shooting there was more and then when CJ came back his numbers diminished yeah right it's hard to find minutes for him okay 
So I take that and I go back to Washington, right? Washington is not the Pelicans, despite that 30-point loss against the Los Angeles Lakers right. last I night. I see what you get, yeah. However, when you look at the Washington Wizards, when you have a short leash like Johnny Davis seems to have, um, you're, you, you're looking over your shoulder, you're looking to see when you're subbed out, and then you move you move pieces like Bilal, you move pieces like Poole, and Poole's got his level of um, them figuring out where his fit is. Is he a one? Is he a two? You know, does he go four for 12? Then the next night he goes, you know, 10 for for, for 12. And um, I, I, I still think that in the case of Johnny Davis, sometimes you don't get the look in the original place you are, but if you ever go someplace else, you do. Johnny strikes me as the type of person that if hypothetically, if he were to leave Washington and go somewhere else, mm-hmm. he'd be effective in it. And the, this person, this example that mm-hmm. comes to mind to me as I'm talking to you, um, is is a guy by the name of um, Chauncey Billups. Hmm. When you look at Chauncey Billups, I remember when Chauncey Billups had a part in the middle of his head. He had hair. He had a fade, <laughs> and he didn't find a fit with the Boston Celtics. In 97, 98, that was when you had Rick Pitino as the head coach. You had Antoine Walker as their starting small forward and and more, right? But by the time 2004 came along, he was on that championship team. His buckets. Because Larry Brown found his calling card, as you said. Mm-hmm. Found his skill set, and he fit playing alongside of Rip Hamilton, playing who's a former wizard, right? Mm-hmm. Playing alongside a... a, a um, a, uh, a Rasheed Wallace, a former Washington right. Bullet, um, uh, and 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 even with a Ben Wallace, right. a former Wizard, right? They're trying to keep it Washington, I see here, it. right? I dig it. But at the same time, I think Johnny Davis is one of those guys that I think if he finds the right fit, or a certain injury happens, or he has a longer leash, <laughs> he'll be effective. He's got. I, yes. I look at him as one of the, and, and people, if you don't actually watch the games when Johnny plays, you're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Sure. Johnny is one of their better on-ball defenders, dude, which is why it is ludicrous that for a team that doesn't defend, for a team that does not have the buy-in on that end of the floor, I would be rewarding Johnny. I don't care if his shot looks ugly. I don't care if he's not a threat offensively like that. What he brings on the defensive end is contagious, and if everyone played defense the way Johnny Davis and Bilal Koulibaly did, I don't think Washington would be 3-17. and 17. Can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that we're talking about these guys as the difference maker for Washington for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Not being the difference maker, but I just think it's more of an indictment on West than it is Johnny that he can't get in the rotation. Well, I'll how the hell you, is Landry I'll, Shannon? I'll, I'll tell you this. Um... Wes Unseld is, wasn't wasn't um, Wes on one excuse me Wes Unseld Jr. wasn't the coaching hire of the current front office staff. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, um, sometimes in life, life just ain't fair. <laughs> That's for damn sure, bro. I hear you on that. It's just not fair. Like you're listen. Everybody can't have the rank red crown. Some people gotta have the black one, the white yeah. one, the turquoise one. <laughs> you can't paint the town red in this instance. You you got you play the hand that you're dealt. Yeah. And and you you go about your business. Um, the Washington Wizards are a well 
assistant coached team. Yes. They have a lot of respected personnel on that bench that will one day be head coaches. I said what I said. Okay. Wes Unseld Jr. to me came out of a good system in Denver. Um, and I think uh, he's a basketball, a brilliant basketball mind. Mm-hmm. But sometimes your first go around may not always be your most successful. And I think I'm imbalanced by saying this. I'll never call for anybody's job. I'll never disrespect him. He's always been kind to me. Um, and 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 I and I and I respect him. However, again, it's about wins and losses. And I'll add this. Mm-hmm. Look how long it took for Mike Brown to be in an elite system in the NBA. Very true. Sacramento Kings is his. Why? Because after being a head coach with the Lakers, after being a head coach with the Cavs, mm-hmm. after um, kind of sitting down and retooling, he had to reinvent himself. San Antonio being up under pop, but also um, prior to even s- Cleveland, L.A., and more, he came out of the, the Pacer system being up under Donnie Walsh. I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. Um Mike Brown, if I'm not mistaken, was an assistant coach on that Pacers bench when uh, the brawl happened in 2004. Malice. Malice of the Palace. Yes, the Malice in the Palace. All those years, all that level of connecting dots, I think for Wes, um, he got a good situation going in Washington. Um, But I think the personnel that is there, coupled with – uh, the success that he had in Denver, it's mm-hmm. possible. He wasn't, yep. That, who, Mike Brown? Yes, he was. I know my sugar honey Come has teeth there. Come on, man. I'm just checking. But, but, yeah. I'll, I'll say, but, I, but, I'll, but I'll say that I think you need a little bit more seasoning in that pot. Again, I'm not calling for his job, but what I'm saying is it's the combination of players. But what about last year, though, when the ro- – well, I'm not going to sit here and act like that roster was just so damn good last year, but – it's it sure as hell felt like they haven't. I'm trying to be delicate in how I phrase this. What do you? How do you feel he's doing in terms of getting the most out of these guys? In terms of squeezing the most juice out of the proverbial fruit? They grown ass men. Yeah, but you heard Brad's comments when when he had his introductory press conference in Phoenix talking about how in Washington he never felt like there was anyone else to push him except for Russell. Now, first of all, I thought he was full of you-know-what for saying that. Chris, I think you were the producer that night, and we eviscerated his ass. Because I'm like, Brad, who are you? You're an you're, you're a all-NBA guy. You're a $250 million man. You have to have the internal drive. And for him to come out and say that, it made me look at the organization as a whole culturally because I'm like, damn, are they not pushing B? Are they not challenging B from the coaching staff to the personnel guys? But what do you? how do you feel Wes is doing in terms of that? Because I know player development is something that has been lacking here in Washington for a while. Um, So you talk about Bradley Beal. I'll take a step back. Mm-hmm. You know when I knew the writing was on the wall in Washington? When? With Bradley Beal. When Bradley Beal told me um, in an interview that – I remember I was in Dallas, mm-hmm. and we, we we were on record, of course, and he, and he talked about the front office, and he said about former GM Tommy Shepard, and quote, Shep has the toughest job in the world. I don't want to have a job where I'm telling or picking or choosing who's going, so it's tough. 
But all I can do is trust what he's got going. That's all I can do. And then what happens? They fire Chef. The end of the season, Bradley's out. One thing about press conferences and one thing about one-on-one interviews Mm -hmm. is that people tell you what they want you to hear, so you publicize it. I don't take stock in certain things that people say because I realize that it's a business and it's Mm -hmm. a business in which you're vying for leverage and you're trying to get the best possible position that you're in and more. Ultimately, Washington was not conducive for Bradley Bill to be successful and win. And ultimately, he inherited what John Wall had. The only difference is John Wall has family ties here. He was here a bit longer and Literally Bradley the Bill had darling of this community. Of course. And I and again, like I said, I don't yes. want to get jumped when I come outside. <laughs> um, but ultimately I, I think if you're looking to win, I think he I think Bradley Bill suffered where he stayed too long yeah. being loyal. And it's a fault you're, at that point, yeah. And and I think to kind of go back round robin to what you, you asked me. About the player development. About yeah. the player development. It starts at the top, but it also, like, playing meaningless basketball minutes does adds more age and wear and tear to you, which is true. which is why Chris Stapps Porzingis is in Boston at least having a fighting chance to win a championship because he's on a contender, right? right? So I don't think we're talking cont- contention uh, in Washington, but Anytime, I, I, so. but I no, but I I think there's 30 teams. Yes, it's only one winner. Straight up. Ultimately. <clears throat> I think it starts with luring something. Something. Now, 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 does that happen? Is their best shot at that, knowing what you know about the national perspective about this area and this franchise? Are they better I off? Doing I don't it pretend to know everything, but but I, but I know enough. But do you think landing that big fish is more likely for them to happen through the draft, or do you think? Because I'll be honest with you, I still am salty that. Al Horford chose Boston over here that one year. Like, there's been situations in the past, even when they were more competitive, and they weren't able to lure guys. Like, it's frustrating as hell. The whole KD to DC thing, we were all up in arms about thinking that that was an actual possibility. We This is a beautiful place to live. Certain areas. But the area as a whole, talk about the DMV, is a good place to be and raise your family at. For sure. And it's a good nightlife. You can make money. There's business opportunities. Why have they struggled to land that big fish here? Does it have to do all with the basketball culture? Because I know word gets around town. Now. I think there's a combination of things. I mm-hmm. think, as I as I stated, I think Washington has 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 inherited the New York doldrums as far as people <laughs> not wanting to play for the Knicks. Right. Yeah. So I can speak from the perspective of when players start talking and there's a there's a there's a resounding belief about something yeah. that's not it then everybody's going to agree that it's not it. Sad. What makes what, – what what so, like – so I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I remember when prior to LeBron coming to Cleveland, mm-hmm. I mean, they played at Crutchfield, which was right outside of, of Cleveland. Uh, Gordon Gund, who drafted LeBron, um, you know, LeBron was, was an attraction in Cleveland, but LeBron couldn't recruit people to come to Cleveland, the first stint in Cleveland, right? right? So he goes to Miami, and then he ends up coming back to Cleveland, and everybody wants to play in Cleveland. Like, Cleveland revitalized, having spent time in Cleveland, people, yeah. re, Cleveland re, was revitalized. They built these these luxury uh, 
apartments that were doubled as hotels. There was a club. And there's this one place. That, it shows the impact that yeah, you can right, have. Right, right. So then, you know, that happens, right? But, but, but comparatively, Cleveland ain't Washington. Washington no. is still a metropolitan city right. in the Northeast, right? In the Mid-Atlantic. Right, right. But it comes down to how serious somebody will take somebody in that, in that endeavor. So look at the Indiana Pacers last night mm-hmm. playing, playing in the, in the in-season tournament and the, the the darling to many people that are very late on who Tyrese Halliburton mm-hmm. is, Indiana is attractive to certain free agents because now you have a point guard and a and a center in Miles Turner and Halliburton respectively, mm-hmm. and you have great uh, pieces like a Benedict Matherin as well as a Buddy Heald mm-hmm. that you can build around and a Carlisle who exactly, was yes. who was respected. So yes. to kind of go back to Washington. It's What's about here? it's about a tale of of tape, consistent yeah. tape, social media. Like Kuzma can't make somebody come here. Poole can't make somebody come here. Right. It's the it's a perception, and the 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 players speak of what's in and what's not. Yeah. And it and I think well said. so. Yeah. I, I again not dumping on them, but it's no, just it's the life. reality of what it is. Yeah, that's real life of what basketball is right now here in our nation's capital. Nine thirty here in our nation's capital. We got Brandon Scooby Robinson, longtime NBA reporter, in studio with us right now. We'll take a quick timeout, a little extended break. When we come back, though, you're fresh off the plane from Vegas. We'll let you recap your time there. Plus, I want to go into a little bit more detail uh, about really the number one story in the NBA this morning. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, NBA Hall of Famers, are very candid about what Pelican star Zion Williamson needs to improve on uh, to take his game to the next level. We'll discuss all that more next here on The Fan. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We are always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. One final segment, or two final segments to go. About 20 minutes left to go in the program. Still got our special guest in the studio, longtime NBA insider Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. We just talked all things Washington Wizards, and we'll give you an update uh, on the D.C. family here real quick. 114, 116 to 91 with 356 left to go uh, in the game. Wes Unsell Jr. just burned another timeout. I don't know how many he has left. Probably not a lot uh, when you're down by this much in the fourth quarter. I want to switch gears here a little bit, though, because we got Scoop B in studio. You were in Vegas for the NBA end-season tournament, and you kind of touched on it uh, in our opening segment. Uh, first of all, what do you say to the folks that feel like this NBA end-season tournament is pointless, pointless and that it's just a money grab? I know you've gotten the opportunity to sit down with, with, with Adam Silver here, and I think he'll be very candid about it, saying that it is for money. Everything's for money. But – I do think the competitive edge that we're seeing in regular season basketball in the first week of December is a plus, and getting a guy like Tyrese Halliburton on a national stage makes it worthwhile as well. So, yes, it is a money grab. <laughs> I mean, as um, anything is, though, bro. That's, that's life, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. M- my perception of it when the season started was bright-ass courts. <laughs> right. As everybody but, but it's interesting. Yeah. I, I was reading an article mm-hmm. today, and it, it, I, I can't remember. One of my colleagues wrote it. I don't remember who wrote it, but um, the person who, I guess, the, the inception of the in-season mm-hmm. tournament was 10 years in the making. Oh, wow. And originally, the, the, the in-season tournament was supposed to have a bright basketball. So it was supposed to be a different color basketball, oh, okay. but they transitioned it from a bright basketball to a bright court. Okay. Um, it's about as Vegas as Vegas can be. The oh, branding yeah. was 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 genius, but 
I'm, I still think it was a little whack. That's just my opinion. I hear you on that. I think, I, I don't know. I just feel like a team like Washington, and I keep bringing up our Wizards, like we know we didn't have a chance of winning the end season tournament. When you look at your bracket, you know, but the one thing I kept hearing was, you know, we talked about Tyrese and getting guys like him on a national stage. It also had the reverse effect <laughs> for Zion Williamson last night. A lot of people uh, critical of his play last night. The Pelicans got Molly Watt by the L.A. Lakers, the greatest player of all time, LeBron James, uh, doing what he does, going Kanye crazy, just super efficient. And the fact that he's getting better uh, in his year 21 season is just absolutely incredible. But uh, two Hall of Famers, Shaquille O'Neal and uh, Charles Barkley, very critical of Zion last night in the postgame. We'll let you hear uh, from Charles Barkley or Shaq here uh, to start. Here's Charles or Shaq, excuse me. Can't even get my words straight. This is Shaq last night on the uh, Inside the NBA postgame show being very candid about what he's seen from Zion Williamson. Two of them, David Robinson and your good friend, Akeem Olajuwon. And you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Because okay. so, you know why? Because I realized I wasn't like, working as hard as I thought I was. Ah. I want to make some points about Zion. Okay. It's not run hard. It's not a diss. It's going to be a lesson from one great big man to another guy that could be a, a great big man. Just not run hard. I had the same problem my first second year. I thought I was running hard. Because Charles talked about this all the time. My talent going to get me 20. But when I start going to 20, 30, and 40, it's because I start doing certain things. He doesn't create easy points for himself. I saw a couple of times we had a couple guys at the basket. He don't seal, right? He doesn't demand the ball. Like, you got a small guy in here. We talk about all the time. Barbecue, chicken alert. Charles talk about all the time. You can't let a little guy guard you. And he doesn't have that look. Like, I'm not the greatest athlete ever, but I know a look when I see it. In every sport, I know a look. Tiger Woods had that look. Jack Nicholson had that look. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, 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 he just doesn't have that look, and he doesn't rebound. He does not rebound. I'm sitting there, and I'm watching. Because, you know, Charles is on him because, you know, that's Charles's category. I don't want to be on that hard, but he's not But ready you're yet. saying this also because he could because be the... He could be the best player in the league. In the league. In the, the league. league. Yes. In not the league. not, not in an all-star. In the the best player so, in the league. Again, I was just like him. So I don't want to sit up here, you know, like I was just like that. But, you know, people used to, like, pull me to the side. You know, I had a guy named Brad Seisler who used to always say, hey, man, okay, you had 24 points, but you're not as working as hard. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, so once he decides to get that killer and, and go for it, he's going to be a dangerous yeah, man. So, Scoop. Obviously, want to get your thoughts on what Shaq had to say about Zion. Do you agree, and do you think uh, there is some maturing uh, that that Zion Williamson could do here to improve his game? Yes, I agree with Shaq. Um, but I I agree with Shaq because uh, I feel as though um, in life, not just in basketball, um, there are, everybody's not meant to be great, and some people are just meant to be. Uh, Amongst others, and and that's okay. No, it's nothing exactly. Um, I, I, I yes, I I think that I think those criticisms that Shaq has for Zion are no different than some of the criticisms he's had for people like Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. Dwight Howard, and more. Although I I in my from what I know, mm-hmm. the Dwight portion of it is a bit more personal. Yeah. Because of the whole Superman thing. Um in part. Superman. But there there are some other there's some other parts to that and and I know you Yeah. W- that could that could last for more than two seconds. But I do think that 
Um, one thing that I can say about Zion specifically to mm-hmm. what Shaq said is, I do agree that you can't get more rebounds when you big. The ball is going to automatically and you're limber. The ball is going to automatically come to you. And that criticism that Shaq had about Zion, had two rebounds last night. Yes, and the and the criticism that Shaq had about Zion were criticisms for me personally that mm-hmm. I had for um, Yao Ming when he played. Really? Okay, just for being that size. For being that size, you're bigger than every damn body on that court, and the rebounds should come to you like that. So I I think there's there's there is some criticism that that is that that could be accepted by Zion, Uh, but I but I also think Zion's game is such a mix of a guard and a big man. Yeah, Um, I've I've always said this. Zion is more is is Charles Barkley, Nate Robinson, and uh, Sean Kemp combined. Wow, that is like a flavorful NBA player. No, I hear what you're saying though, for sure. Um, you know, in, in conversations with with um, you know, off air and more just candidly, mm-hmm. um, Charles has said to me he don't play like me. He plays like Sean Kemp. Um. But the the way that people criticize, particularly Shaq criticizes Zion, the way he criticizes him, it makes him appear to be Sean Kemp when he came back from the lockout and gained a ton of weight. Mm. And even in that in that part of Sean Kemp's life, Sean could still give you fifteen and ten. Fat Sean Kemp could give you. And it didn't even matter. Zion right now averaging a career low five point six rebounds for the first uh, 19 games of the season. One final segment. We got a break when we come back. Scoop will be here. I want to ask you about this report from Christian Clark that uh, really didn't reflect well on Zion Williams. That's next here on The Fan. One final segment here on this Friday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham, with Scoop B. Robinson in studio. Scoop, we got a couple of minutes left here, literally two minutes on the dot. Uh, two minutes on the dot. Hit your, hit your mic. I think your mic is off. Check, 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 check. One, go. two. Yes. There you go. Check it in. Let's not waste Check time. It in. Let's not Let's waste two it. minutes in. Um, coolest thing, or the biggest piece of information, I'm asking you to give up some goods here. The biggest piece of information you learned being out in Vegas? Nothing. Yeah. I had been there enough. I don't necessarily think it's anything new. Any um, new intel? No. Spent almost a week there and spent some time with Bronny James while I was out there. That's what I meant to ask you. There you go. Yeah. I saw that. Quickly here, as we got a minute and a half left, expectations, do you think he makes his debut this weekend? And then do you Sunday. think there's enough time uh, for him to reenter his name back into this this NBA lottery that there's before a, the season there, started? There's, there's a belief that he yeah. – sources say. Yeah. There's, there's a belief that he that So he's he looking good. Yes. That's that's good to hear. I yeah. know uh, his teammate, the fellow freshman, Isaiah Collier, just – Getting baskets. Oh, people, people are critical oh, about what he's doing on defense, but you got to nitpick a prospect any way you can. Mm-hmm. Braun, I thought last night was, we got about 50 seconds left, was so candid talking about how excited he is that Bronny's in attendance watching some of these because mm-hmm. I've, I've been a young college kid before. You don't want to come home. You don't spend time at home when you out back in the area. And the fact that he's, you know, seems to be relishing his time a lot more after going through a potentially life-altering situation. It shows good perspective on his behalf, man. Scoop, always appreciate you joining me, my man. We got to do this soon. Hopefully, yes, you were nice enough to the Wizards faithful. You will get home of safely, course. I promise. Two interviews dropping on the Scoopy Radio podcast. Subscribe on all streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Follow me on Twitter at Scoopy.
That's it. it. Scoopy on Twitter and Instagram. Get it where you can, man. Yes, sir. Also, make sure you check out the eight-part series you got coming, too, as well. Oh, that dropped already. You can check that out on my YouTube channel as well as Scoopy Radio. Go get it.